This is Roy Hales with Cortez Currents, which you can also access at cortezcurrents.ca. David Allingson will be giving Cortez Island residents two presentations of his latest fine art photography series this year. I'm going to be speaking at the Cortez Island Museum and Archives AGM on the 27th. It's a fairly short talk, just about probably 45 minutes and then some time for Q&A. So it's not a, a huge amount of time. I'm going to be speaking a little bit about the Falling Boundary series. I also am planning on exhibiting this series, the actual prints, in the summertime. That will be in the Old Schoolhouse Gallery on the weekends of July 29th to 31st and August 5th to 7th. This new body of work, Falling Boundaries, is just another step in telling about the decline of the first growth forests here in, in British Columbia. I just felt compelled to make photographs of all the old, old growth stumps on the Reef Point Farm Forest. So I photographed all of those, hundreds of them. Then I was going to release the project and then I, I decided it wasn't quite impactful enough. We'd all seen photographs of old growth stumps before. Every British Columbian knows them very well from walking through the woods. <laughs> so I went back and I, I worked with, actually with the Cortez Museum. They gave me access to what's it called? The Von Donop Shed there with all the old logging tools. And I was permitted to bring them back into the forest. So I had a lance tooth crosscut saw. That's probably one of my most impactful images or successful these days in terms of being out in the world and sort of did these installations out in the woods to speak to the, a little bit of a wider story. It's really motivated by an, an emotional response to the loss of our forests. One of the great primary old growth forests of the world at one time. The Pacific Northwest, not just British Columbia, Washington State as well, into Oregon, all of the, the logging that happened in this general area. I think most of us feel a, a, an incredible sense of loss over the last couple of years, just with the realization of how drastic it is now that we're down to less than 3% of the big tree old growth, as they call it. Ferry Creek is a great example of the passion and the emotional response to the predicament that we find ourselves in now with this tiny little bit of forest land left. I was really interested in looking at this from the perspective of what has happened since the arrival of the, the colonists, the settlers, which of course is exactly my family history. And so my story to tell, because that's the history of my family. We've been working in the forests basically since we got here. In deep time or geological time, it's really the blink of an eye, the number of years that it's taken, essentially the last hundred years to see the removal of this incredible forest land. So for me, it was an attempt to speak to many issues. The impact of extraction industries, especially in regards to colonialism and imperialism and what's happened and continues to happen in many countries around the world, especially with corporate colonialism nowadays. I think of the palm oil plantations in Indonesia and what's happening to the forests and the Amazon and the farms there for the cattle. So I wanted to somehow try to compress this essentially short period of time into single still images. And so I went out and photographed these old growth trees that were standing just north of Campbell River. I became friends with a biologist who works in this area, and she invited me to join her on some of her trips. She was doing some studies on the old growth cedars. She would go out and take her measurements and her readings. In this particular area, she was working under the auspices in, in, in a cut block. The logging company had given her permission to go in and do this research because those very same trees were scheduled to be cut down three months later. So she could go in there and do studies before they were taken and then go back and, and look at the stumps and get additional information. 
So she invited me along on both trips to do the before and after photographs. So I did that and, and got to see these trees before and after. I sat on those photographs for quite some time because I realized we've all seen photographs of clear cuts before. And I didn't want to produce a series that was just more of the same. It took me a while to figure out what I wanted to say with these images. And that's why I wanted to inject the historical archival photographs into these to speak to a span of time here. So then I worked with the Royal BC Museum here in Victoria, and almost all of the photographs are from Vancouver Island as well. I wanted to try and keep those close to the same area where I made my original photographs. And then installed those photographs into my original photographs. The result is, as you see with the Falling Boundary series there. That's essentially a project in a nutshell. I live in Victoria, but I still consider Cortez my home base. I probably will my whole life just because of being born and raised down on Reef Point Farm on the south tip there. Such an incredible place to grow up as a child and as a youth with the forest, the beach and the farm and all of that. So just on the doorstep of the wild, essentially, in those days, my parents, Bruce Ellingson and Ginny, my grandparents lived on Cortez. Of course, my uncle Andy and his wife, Sue, and my brother is still there with Trig Van Laura. So lots of connections there. My family opened the trading post at Manson's Landing. And Cortez Island and my family is really where the motivation for all of my work springs from. Because of that upbringing in, in that kind of environment. Pre-COVID, I was up probably three or four times a year. During COVID, I came back, I think, once in the last two years. But I'm coming up, obviously, for the AGM, but and then back in the summertime. Ellingson also talked about his journey as an artist. I came to photography a bit later in life. I didn't really have a clear direction in terms of career throughout my 20s. When I was sort of getting very close to 30, I figured I better get a little bit more active in deciding what I wanted to do in life. I hit upon photography through a career counsellor. And as soon as we discussed that, I walked out of her office and immediately started down that path what got me into photography was that great combination of the, the precision and the technical side of photography, mastering the tools of the craft, and also the artistic side of it. I really feel like I thrive in a medium that has both of those elements to it. I was really interested in portraiture when I first started, and I had a career in Vancouver as a commercial photographer for some time, then realized that that wasn't really where I wanted to be in photography because I felt like I was a little bit part of the big machine of consumerism and trying to sell more things to more people that they didn't really need. While we did some really fantastic projects, I decided to move into the arts. So that was about 2009. My first solo show was in Vancouver on Main Street, where Kingsway intersects at a small gallery called Ion Art Gallery. They showed um, some landscape and seascape work that I had been photographing, much in the style of Michael Kenna, who's a, quite a well-known art photographer. And they showed a series of photographs I had done with some friends of mine in Victoria, a, a big series of portraiture of drag queens. So it was this really weird exhibition because the front room was these beautiful, soft seascape landscape photographs, all in black and white. And the back room was these sort of denizens of the nightclub scene and very, very much the opposite. I, like most artists, we have many interests, many areas of investigation and many reactions to all of the cultural stimuli that we're exposed to all the time and want to try new things and try 
different works. I've been doing that the whole time. There's a lot of work which doesn't see the light of day, or I hold back until it seems like the right time. So I work on a lot of projects that are um, years and years in terms of production and development. So that kind of set me on my path. And then doing it my way, that's definitely one of the reasons I decided to leave the commercial photography world and move into doing self-directed projects because I wasn't finding that satisfaction in my commercial work. I see lots of commercial photographers who do, in fact, do that, especially nowadays. There's so many photographers that you really do need to specialize and find your niche and work in an area. I think about Taylor Rhodes, a really great photographer based between Victoria and Vancouver. She does a lot of work all over Canada, and most of it is focused on or connected to, in some way, the environment and and the climate crisis. I see a lot of artists doing that nowadays, and it's really uh, satisfying to see. But luckily, I have found my path in it. That was quite revolutionary for me to be doing projects completely of my own volition and absolutely self-directed, of course, ends up being far more work than it is when someone else is essentially handing you the brief of the shoot and telling you what they need. I've got to say, it's a pretty lovely existence as long as you're disciplined enough to make sure that you can continue to work. I think that's one of the main things that is needed. But luckily, I come from a very disciplined family and hardworking. Going back to uh, the craft of photography, I definitely see the craft of photography as merely an extension of what I learned on Cortez and what, what my family has done for generations. I typically have around three or four projects on the go at any one time that I will work on this one for a week or two and then go over here and work on this one and then work on that one. I have realized over the years I've been doing this so far that the longer I work on these projects, within reason anyway, the better they get. So I give all of my projects now a little bit more room to breathe than I did at the start when I felt a bit of an urgency to get projects out on a pretty regular basis. I include my photographs in many places out in the world, in many exhibitions. Most of them are exhibitions that do speak to the environmental crisis, deforestation, loss of biodiversity, all of those things we're dealing with nowadays. I feel quite proud that I'm in some tiny infinitesimal way in the world contributing what I can to um, general awareness and all of that. I definitely feel slightly despondent these days with the direction things continue to go with Donald Trump coming in 2016 and what that did to the media and to the idea of what is fact and what is fiction. And I read scientific reports. I look at all the stuff that's coming out all the time to help to inform my work. We're up against the whole entire mechanism of capitalism. And that, that's a rather formidable adversary. For me, photography is a way to cling to what I see is the truth of the situation. I feel for me, that's another aspect of this practice is that it enables me to live a life that's grounded in reality and what's going on, even if that is a rather sad situation at the moment and, and things are, are worse than they were before, environmentally speaking. Taking a couple of steps back from just photography, I think we have two options in life, especially when we're dealing with issues like this. We can live in hope or we can live in despair. And I know for me personally, I'd much rather attempt to live in that sphere of hope. I want to talk about your coming exhibits this month. Where are they and what are they? We just had an online exhibit launched on the 28th of February called Points of Return. Actually, that's the name of the website is pointsofreturn.org. Or G. And it's a group of 25 artists from all around the world 
who were selected to be a part of this exhibition, all doing work on the climate crisis and environmental issues and biodiversity loss and all of those things. So they selected a series of mine called Wildfire, which uh, is an offshoot of another bigger project that I was doing, but this one focuses on the smoke that we've been subjected to, especially since 2017. I head down to the water and photograph the sun through the smoke. I photograph the harvest moon through the smoke at, at, in the dead of night and just uh, a few different photographs of the smoke as it's impacting Southern Vancouver Island. The launch of this project online is apparently just the beginning of what the organizers have in plan for this project. And I'm really excited actually, because I'm keeping some pretty stellar company in terms of the quality of the work that I'm seeing in this exhibition. I feel quite happy about that. So I, I anticipate that that this, there'll be other spots where live exhibitions will be happening and it could possibly also end up as a book. I've got work on an ongoing basis at Madrona Gallery down here in Victoria. Really amazing gallery. I just had some work there in a show in January and I'm not sure when the next one's gonna be, but they have, have stuff there all the time. We have a possible show opening up in China, another group show where I've got six pieces from the Falling Boundaries Project and one in Portland that I'm waiting to hear from. You've been listening to an interview with David Ellingson, who will be speaking at the Courtiers Island Museum, AGM, at 1 p.m. on Sunday, March 27th, and also exhibiting at the Old Schoolhouse Gallery this summer. This is Roy Hales with Courtiers Currents. Goodbye.